I need to know everything Who in the what and the where I need everything Trust me, I hear what you're saying But I like it's new what you're telling me I'm curious, George, I hop in the Porsche There's five and a horse, I'm ready for war I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost I need to know everything Now you be surprised at the info you Hello and welcome to JK Plus One I am your host, Jonathan Kinchin I am not Peter Thomas Fortinetell That is Austin in the background Screaming about a video game I am not in the Brooklyn bunker um, I am in the Planet Texas But I won't be here for long uh, Saratoga, around the corner Looking forward to that. A little fun Keeneland meet popping up on us uh, in the middle of the summer in July. Um, grade 1 Gamble this weekend. Uh, our friend Jim Goodman. If you haven't gotten involved, uh, get involved. It's an online. You can play online this year. I think uh, uh, I could blow this up. But I think maybe it's TVG and, and, uh, and, uh, and Express Bet. Go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash Keeneland. It's this new cool thing we did on our website where you can like we can redirect you places. So so check that out if you uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't already done that. I think it's three thousand dollar buy-in, grade one gamble, one of the greatest contests by one of the greatest contest directors in the world, our buddy Jim Goodman. So uh, make sure you get involved in that. Great racing uh, uh, there on Saturday. Uh, get you get you geared all the way up for uh, a lot of fun at Saratoga. Um, what what's going on? What else is popping? Subscribe. Make sure you hit that subscribe button for us if you can. It's uh, the little purple thing on your uh, purple app on your uh, on your iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, uh, a lot of change in this world is needed. You uh, getting rid of that green text thing is is on the list. It's not high on the list of things that need to change in this world, but it is on the list. Um, what else is going on? Uh, that's it. A lot of fun racing. Uh, so happy for, uh, and this is actually a tie-in to, to our guest today, so happy for George Weaver and Vacoma uh, with his back-to-back grade ones. And uh, something tells me that the, the four-go could be a, a third one. Now, he's going to have to deal with a horse like Volatile if he shows up there, which I'd assume he will. But nonetheless, it's going to be a lot of fun seeing Vacoma. Um Man, look, uh, this is a guy that I've wanted to have on the show uh, from the inception. I think the, kind of the idea of this show in general was just to have people on that that uh, can just kind of tell their story, show their personalities, and just kind of have some fun talking about this sport that we love, but but sometimes from a different angle um, than than we normally do. That that was the idea, just to kind of have some conversation and and to uh, and to learn more about these people and 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 what they do in our sport, and so. Uh, the the opportunity to have a, you know, I've got a couple of friends that are jockeys agents, but the and, and racing managers and and whatever. But uh, the opportunity to get John Panagot on here and to talk a little bit about his his uh, his job as a jockeys agent with Javier Castellano, but then also as a racing manager for Bob Lapinta and Lapinta's uh, racing operation, I thought was a great opportunity to uh, allow the listeners to kind of to hear a little bit about that side of it. I think it's a really interesting side of it. It's a part we. We talk about, I think, a lot is you know how this jockey ended up, ended up there and how that one ended up there and 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 things like that. And I think it's just a real cool aspect of the game and and uh, some it, it definitely breeds some some funny stories. So um, you know I've, I've I've got a lot of friends who are really close to John and, and being able to get to know John over the last couple of years has been a pleasure and uh, it's been a lot of fun. He's a, a really cool guy, fun guy, and I'm looking forward to you guys being able to hear that as well. So. Without uh, any more of me carrying on, talking in circles. All right, John Panagot, what's going on? Everything is good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I'm a little bit disappointed. The boys from the uh, from the group text uh, that we've named four J's and an M, 
they didn't they didn't really give me the heat like they were giving me for McCarthy. They they gave me some good ideas or some conversations, but they didn't give me they didn't give me the good stories like you guys provided for me when I had uh, when I had Whitey on. Good. That means they're following instructions. Yeah, exactly. In fact, JT was like the most serious he's ever been. He's like, oh, I just want to say he's so awesome. He's nothing like McCarthy. He's been instrumental in my career. Great guy all the time. Stand up guy all the time. He's a great guy. He's nothing like Michael McCarthy. <laughs> uh, how did you meet JT? How did that how did that all go down? Oh, that's funny. Um, Jonathan and I were dating uh, two friends. Like oof, um, about ten years ago, eight years ago, something like that, and they were friends, and uh, we ended up, you know, at a at dinner together or introduced to them uh, uh, somewhere, and we, uh, you know, we we started doing business together a couple of years down the road um, when he went to Bridalwood, and uh, then we, you know, became a Became great friends over the years. How did you get started in racing? I actually, I don't think we've ever had this conversation. So I, I didn't know if you've got like family or if you just were uh, hanging out in Saratoga and decided it was something you want to do. How'd you get started in racing? I, I don't have any family in racing at all. And um, when I was a kid, our family, my father, my mother, and my two sisters would, we, I grew up on Long Island, like 15 miles from Belmont. But I never went to Belmont. Uh, family friends invited us to Saratoga every summer. They would rent the house and have clients. Uh, they, they're not in racing either. They, he actually had a juice company, and he'd bring clients up there and entertain. So he said to my father, why don't you bring the kids up? You know, we'll play golf and go to the races and, and really enjoy it. And I fell for it very young just kind of everything about it um the competition of it all the jockeys the horses um everything head to toe and it was a saratoga thing for me when i was six seven eight years old i didn't even know belmont existed and let alone it was down the road you know i think my parents were sharp enough to tell to not tell me that there was a track at home too um and i just fell for it when i was a kid it was kind of like you know wanted to be a jockey or, or I didn't know any of the jobs. I just figured jockey trainer and people that went, I would look at the guys in the clubhouse and walking out of the paddock, uh, in their suits and just be like, I need to be one of the guys that is here, you know? Uh, and I taught myself a lot. I watched a lot. I had nobody to talk to, uh, nobody to take any advice from or anything. And I followed it in school and, kind of started poking my nose around um and uh when i fast forward i graduated college i wound up working for the saratoga special uh because i wanted to spend the summer in saratoga and i had my mind made up that i was going to work with horses with no connections or anything so i worked for the summer and uh with the clancy's with the paper and at the end of the meet, I um, I asked Graham Motion if I could work for him. Uh, and he said, yes, although I don't know what you're going to be doing. We'll figure it out. So he sent me to Keeneland in the fall, and I I walked horses and, uh, you know, did odd, odd jobs for him to start. And that was my first job in a barn uh, and my first job in the business 
was the internship with the special. Who was the specials had some uh, had some superstars. I mean, we had Peter Thomas Fornatel, JT. Apparently, he was just kind of like a he was just kind of a, an honorary member, from what I understand. Gabby, Travis Stone. Who was any? Who was there when you were there? Anyone in particular? Um, yeah, Pete was. Uh, he was handicapping, but he wasn't. Uh, to say he was on the uh, squad would would be uh, a reach, but he was handicapping. Uh, Brian Natto, who, who's gone on to do some some cool things at Capital OTPs, man there. Um, uh, Sean and Joe, and Katie Bo Williams, who's now uh, all over CNN. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I missed the other guys that you mentioned, but um, we had a solid team. And then Gabby came trickling in uh, a year or two after me. So when you when you went to work for Graham, um, obviously, like, you know, I guess if I was like telling some young person that wanted to get uh, wanted to learn the horseman side of things and from a from an operation that from afar looks like they just do things the right way. You know, Graham would definitely be on that list. What what are some of the you know, obviously your your profession in racing has is twofold, you know, and a racing manager for La Pinta, but then also Javier's agent. So, you you know, you've kind of got it you know, twofold fun stuff you can do. What, what did kind of some of the things you picked up working with Graham that, that you still kind of feel like maybe even subconsciously you use every day for your, uh, your other two gigs that you got going now? Um, well, I'll first start by saying almost everything I know, or at least the beginning of the stuff I started to learn, I learned there because I had no other, uh, way to learn it. You know, um, he, what I knew there, I learned there at the time. You know, and and since I've you know, you know, haven't stopped learning, and I don't plan to really because there's so much you're kind of guessing on all the time here. But um, just the care. I mean, my job with Graham for about three years was kind of like a racing manager, if there could be one for a trainer. Um, I picked a lot of the races. I lined up jockeys. Um, I ran some horses at odd places like, you know, Colonial, Presque Isle kind of sent me around uh, when we had a, a, an odd runner, you know, here and there. Um, and I traveled around for him, but the real um, tool I brought to the team there was, was finding the races. So Graham is so good with the horse it, him, itself. And what I brought was speed figures and handicapping and, kind of X's and O's. Uh, so we worked well together, but he taught me, uh, you know, he gave me a very good foundation to go on to work for, uh, you know, Mr. Lapenta from there because everything I knew about horses came really from his, his uh, stroke, you know, um, time between races, uh, just, the routine of it all and getting to know the horse to where you can catch something that's kind of, if the horse does something that's uncharacteristic or, or, uh, or, uh, you know, new for the first time, just kind of observing and, and, and relying on his method. He believes in himself and, and he relies on his training method and, and it works because Graham has been winning races for, a long time and, and the right races for a long time. Um, 
So, you know, and, and patience, patience too. Listen, we all get frustrated, but um, I remember, you know, finding a race that I was excited about or, or um, didn't understand why you wouldn't run in that race kind of thing. And Graham would pass on it for something at the time that I wouldn't really understand being like, well, he's so much better that you, he, he can go anyway. <laughs> and uh, just wait. And sure enough, you know, it works out. You skip it. He gets over what the horse is going through or whatever. And, and, and that kind of stuff really just the respect of the game and the respect of the horse, like, okay, there will be another spot. There will, you know, let the horse come around kind of thing. That, that was cool to see because before I went there, I just knew his name from the program. And, and, and it was cool to see that firsthand because I really didn't have a clue how it worked. Yeah. Were you with Graham for Animal Kingdom? I was. I was. Wow, that must have been uh, a hell of a ride, huh? <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, that horse came to us at Palm Meadows and uh, with a few others from Team Valor. Um, and he had won uh, on the poly track at Keeneland. And I remember saying to Graham, like, oh, that horse broke his maiden, like, with a good number. He was like, yeah, I, th I thought so. I thought, that, you know, I thought they had said that or whatever. And sure enough, he's training, training, training well. And uh, and it, it was cool to kind of see that and remember the details coming up to it, too. And uh, seeing him train at Palm Meadows and be with him uh, all winter. In the meantime, he had a horse in, in uh, Fair Hill called Toby's Corner who we were trying to get to the Derby in Animal Kingdom was down in Florida with no talks of the Derby at all. Um, and Toby's Corner won a an allowance race at Laurel by like, I think it was Thanksgiving Day, um, by like 10 lengths. And it was nice. It was a Bellamy Road horse that, um, that we like had hopes for, you know? And at that time of year, you have a two-year-old break their maiden. And you're, you know, you know how it goes. Um, uh, we were kind of getting excited about him. And it, I'm sorry, it was, it was a maiden race on Thanksgiving. And he came back and won an allowance race at, at Laurel again. Uh, and we were getting excited for him. We started to plan out the aqueduct uh, path to the Derby. And that horse wound up winning the Whirl Away and winning the Wood. And we were all excited about running in the Derby and Animal Kingdom quietly uh, wins the spiral and finds his way into the Derby. And Toby's Corner had an issue and didn't make the race. So really, for a large part of it, Animal Kingdom was 1A and wound up winning the Derby. And really, I think, was unlucky not to do more on the Triple Crown. Um during the Triple Crown season. But, uh, yeah, he that was a cool horse. That was a cool horse, and it was cool to be around him, and it was cool to see him get better because you could actually – he actually did it in front of your eyes. Like I said, he was 1A, and that horse just kept getting better, kept getting better. The same owner had a horse for um, for the rush away. Uh, I'm sorry, he wanted to run Animal Kingdom in the rush away. He didn't have a lot of experience. And the other horse, which was the basically the 
the uh, overnight version of the spiral at Turfway. The other horse's name was Crimson China. And Crimson China had no earnings. Um, and Animal Kingdom had more earnings. He broke his maiden in America. Crimson China was coming from Europe. And, uh, and um, we saw that early and said, okay, well, Crimson China will run in the rush away and Animal Kingdom will go to the spiral instead of, you know, trying to get in both and having nowhere to run one of them, you know? Uh, and Animal Kingdom took care of business from there. Were you there? Were you there for the work? The, you know, I, I, that was like one of the first times I remember like as a young horse player where I realized that like those derby works like matter. Yeah. And I remember when, when he worked, that was the only reason I used him. I didn't, I didn't score that day because I hated Nero, but uh, he's the only reason I used the horse. Were you, were you there at Churchill that morning? I was, I was actually, I, we, um, we, Graham and I left from the barn to the front side and with Derby week, you know, they have all these tents and roadblocks up and stuff. Uh, it, it was hard to get from the barn to the front side. And we went like three, the wrong way, three times. And, uh, we got in eventually we're opening the doors like by the turnstiles or by the gift shop in the paddock. Uh, and they were all locked. And I finally found one that was open. And there was somebody in there like, no, 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 you can't come in. You can't come in because we've gone the wrong way. Um, and Graham, being the nice guy he is, was like almost like, oh, we can't go in. And then I could see him think about it. And he goes, uh, I have two horses in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Because at that point, they had Toby's Corner as well. He wasn't out yet. And the guy was almost like the guy in Wizard of Oz, like, well, that's the horse of a different color. Come on in. And, uh, so the order's in. You can't make it up. And we went running up the the grandstand, and uh, they hadn't broke off yet. And, um, and we watched the entire work. Barry Irwin, I think, had a similar – problem he he didn't get there in time he was getting blocked at the rim also uh and i remember seeing that horse just take off from the other horse i think alvarado alvarado definitely breezed him but he gave him a little tap and that you could see that horse just just take off and he beat another horse that we liked a little bit that was definitely dirt broke his main at golf stream um he ruined that horse in the, in the work he ruined it uh and i wasn't i wasn't uh you know mr confident in my opinion of what i saw but it was pretty obvious that it was a major work uh and i put my binoculars down i said the grandma's well that was you know that was pretty good and uh <laughs> Like and Graham's not saying anything; he's kind of digesting it. And he looked, and he like looked off towards the gallop out, and he said, "Like, oh, jeez, I'd say so." And uh, and I kind of see his face, like I got to run this horse in the Derby, because at that point there wasn't a decision. You know, there was like, let's breeze him over there and see what he does. It's a turf race the same day. We'll see what he does. But I could see in Graham's face that he is like, well. This horse really handles the dirt, you know? 
It's funny the the two I would I would argue I, I mean I think I'm probably not uh, I'm probably not missing one but the two most important horses I think of your career in racing I would imagine uh, that moment with Animal Kingdom a, a horse that was pretty damn good on the turf and the dirt and then another horse that was also pretty important to you Catholic Boy was pretty damn good on the turf and the dirt. That's uh that's cool I I hadn't thought of that uh you're right. <laughs> um they have that in common. That's very cool. Um, Animal Kingdom for me, listen, I was 26 when he won the Derby. Not even. I was turning 26. Uh, and he, that, he, he gave me the springboard to do something bigger because after he won, you know, the whole team got, there um got recognized and i had a few things written about me my role with the team and uh and uh, i was able to grab mr lapenta's attention with that and um it was it wasn't long after that that he that i got lined up with him you know and he kind of looked down and said i need a racing manager and we were having success at grams and um and uh the the derby was the was the you know meat and potatoes of that success and um that that got me there you know for sure um and then catholic boy uh, same deal it's just kind of changed things when you can when you can win a race like travers which was uh really the only race i knew i knew about the travers before i knew about the kentucky derby and uh that was that was just, you can't for me you can't beat that yeah and it's it's not only you know uh, and I'm, you've won a lot of big races with Javier and, and, and being his agent so far. I mean, obviously the city of light, uh, races were big and there's a hundred other ones, but I would imagine that that, that Travers win was probably pretty special for a lot of reasons. Like you mentioned, you, you knew that you knew about the Travers before you knew about the Derby. Uh, it was a Lapinta horse, obviously with your relationship with Mr. Lapinta, it was for your friend, Jonathan Thomas. And then it was also, you know, Javier and, and the first year, that was the first year you had his book, right? Right, we started uh, June one. Yeah, I mean that's like, dude, that's like all the all the stars aligning on that one, right? It was amazing, and for it to be the Travers, I mean, you couldn't make it up. Uh, it, it's just one of those things. Something happens in your life. It's like a a big event like that, and for me, it's it's a horse race. You know, if somebody's listening who who isn't caught by horse racing. And they probably said, what is this guy talking about? But if you're caught by horse racing and you can probably follow when something like this happens, you want to race like that. It's one of those moments, like it's like a flip book of your life really quickly when that happens. And that happened for me when that horse won the Travers, it was, um, it was just like I thought about everything ever when that horse won. Uh, everything. I mean, from cleaning buckets out, having no clue what I'm doing at you know, Keeneland uh, for Graham in my first couple months, uh, not knowing a thing, to you know, maybe thinking about being a jockey's agent one day or maybe thinking about going to a sale one day and buying a horse or like, being seven at the track uh 
and going to Saratoga two weeks before this Travers and just feeling the buzz. But I wasn't there for the Travers. I had to watch it on a blue screen at home, you know, listen to it or whatever. Uh, and I think, well, one day I'll, I'll be at the Travers and sit at the table and, and watch it and pick the right horse, you know, maybe bet or tell everyone, I think this horse is going to win and, and uh, maybe everyone will cash on them or something or, and then it turned into kind of that table growing up, watching my horse one day, you know, sitting there and watching my horse one day to everything coming together with that horse, uh, winning it. You really just, you just really see everything where you came from and how it all laid out and just super like better than you'd even imagine. Did you did you guys know he was good from the start? I mean, you know, his figure wasn't that fast when he won his debut, but you know, he won and he did it easily. Did you knew Catholic? Did you I mean did you kind of always know Catholic Boy was going to be who Catholic Boy became, or was it were you kind of caught off guard a little bit? Uh, we did not know. We didn't. Uh, he didn't give signs like this horse is going to win a graded stake, but he never did anything wrong. He was like the horse he didn't talk about uh, because he was fine, you know. Um, no problem, no, uh, and I'm starting with when before he ran. Um, no problem, no nothing fancy, you know. And he's not bad. The first thing you always want to you always want to address is is the horse a turtle, you know? And he, there was never any reports on him. He breezed again. He breezed again. And then Jonathan took him down the Gulf Stream to work from the gate um he had a small string of golf stream at the time and he took him down there and um he worked the horse from the gate and the thing was it's like he's not flashy i don't want to run him five eights you know more than ready maybe turf will start him he goes but i think he'll like you know uh, uh more ground i don't want to run him in these little races at golf stream going five you know five and a half think he'll improve with the race and he took him down there and he worked him from the gate and he worked well and i wonder though if the gate work woke him up a little bit because he came back the following week and he worked in like 47 and jonathan was like this horse worked in 47 i was like jd he told me the horse isn't fast you know like he's gonna need more ground like let's run him and there was a 5 eighths race that didn't go on the turf and there was a long race coming up maybe and they merged the two and there was a seven and a half that went we get the two turns i said listen it was uh it was right as the meet was starting in saratoga i think and i said it's seven and a half if he comes running we'll run him a mile 16th in saratoga he'll have a two-turn race you'll have an edge on everybody and the race comes up there's a bunch of horses meant for a sprint they went in. So they ran away from him a bit and he finished up great and he won like the right way. You know, I don't know all the numbers were slow, but they weren't bad. And we knew he was going to want more ground and with anticipation, you know, you're getting many of a mile more. So he said, listen, if he runs fifth, fourth, fifth, even third, like that's fine. But he's got one thing on a lot of these horses two-turn race with a win you know in that race every year they run a maiden or two you know that was second going two turns or whatever 
and let him do his pace, which we thought would help him. When he won, we were a little surprised up up here in Saratoga, uh, but after the fact, I don't want to say like we went and bet or anything. We didn't, but after the fact, it's like this makes sense. Like it made sense going in. The horse has never given us a bad vibe, and now he's getting more ground, you know. And he and he loved it. And at that point, the race is so so late in the meet, you know. It's like two or three days before the end. Um, we said, listen, he's in. We want to try the dirt at some point. Bernardini Mayer, you know, he trained well on it. Uh, let's just run him in the Breeders' Cup from here. Freshen him up. We think if the Breeders' Cup was a mile and a 16th, I don't know if we would have run him again in between. But we're cutting him back. So let's get him fresh. And we made that plan. We breezed him a few times. Uh, Took him out to Delmar. He totally changed uh, this horse from the with anticipation to the Breeders' Cup. I remember uh, JT telling me he was out in Delmar a couple days before me. As maybe I was in the airport or something, and he said, "Somebody just stopped me in the road. I think it was Dale Romans actually." He said, "You were in that horse in the dirt." And Jonathan was like, "Maybe I should be because the horse went by and he's totally changing that horse." And he changed a few times, uh, and he called me up. He goes, are we supposed to be running this horse in the dirt? I said, stop it, stop it, please don't, don't screw, don't screw with our heads. And uh, the whole train lights out. I mean, he went off really short in the, in the Breeders' Cup. He's like five to one or something. At one point, he was maybe like three to one. Uh, and the horse ran a big race. I mean, in retrospect, like, well, we're never going to run him a mile again on the turf at Delmar, where it's like, you know, sometimes these horses come out of three-quarter races in Europe and win, you know. Uh, right. um, but he was – we were so happy with him there because he kind of had a little, like, little traffic, and, and he galloped out huge. And he came out of that race bouncing, like, like wanting more. So we said – it may have been that night where we were like, well, let's get him back and uh, to New York and, and consider this Remsen. Uh, he'll love the mile and an eighth and we have a fresh horse. We were just kind to him. You know, we, we ran him at Gulfstream in, in an easy race. I'll say easy, but it was, it wasn't, didn't take anything out of him. He, he won nice in Saratoga and, and really he want, he's wanting to do more out of the Breeders' Cup. So he worked him a couple times at Belmont, uh, in leading up to the Remsen and, and the horse was training great and just made so much sense. And he galloped in the Remsen. Um, and, uh, you know, that was his two-year-old year. Now I, I tell you when he kind of, I mean, I, you know, I saw the, the Breeders' Cup and the, I don't think I even really liked him in the Remsen. And I, I probably thought he wasn't a dirt horse than the Sam Davis in the Florida Derby, but man, with the Penine Ridge and the Belmont Derby, when he beat, who was that? Who, who was that? Analyze it. Analyze it. Yeah. When he, when he turned that horse away twice, I was like, damn, this is, this dude is tough as nails and that's when he got my respect after those two races and uh i wasn't shocked when he when he hopped on the dirt and the travers and and, and did what he did because man you know analyze it was a good horse and came back and proved that in the breeders cup you know when he ran whatever second or third but that's when i realized that this joker was tough yeah he, he was tough he, he didn't like uh to get past and that horse if you if you watch this with anticipation, he kind of 
pulled through horses. That was a that was a cluttery race, and, and he showed us something that day. I was like, man, this horse doesn't care, you know. Um, and uh, when he came back, the Florida Derby was a bit of a disaster. When he came back on those turf races, I said, let's just get him into a rhythm, you know. Like, forget about the Belmont Derby. The Pennine Ridge is a nice race, also. We'll see where we're at. Put him in there. We thought maybe he was going to improve out of that race. Uh, and, man, he was passed. He was passed. And, you know, credit to Javier. He didn't stop on him. And he, he came back on that horse. And he he really kind of analyzed it, came over on him. And he kind of had to check a little bit. He didn't just get passed. And he had to come out, came outside of him and, and ran him down and nailed him. It was one of those things where it was like, well, wow, you don't see that. You don't see that a lot. And then to do the same exact thing almost in the Belmont Derby, it's like at that point when we won the Belmont Derby, it was just kind of like, um, uh, wow, horse won a grade one. You know, look at this. He's, he's got this nice pedigree. He's a grade one winner. He'll probably stand somewhere. And from that time, really, from like, uh, I don't know, two weeks before the Pennine Ridge, through the Travers, that horse was breathing a different kind of air. And leading up to the Travers, he um, he was giving us every indication. And listen, he, he'd failed in the dirt earlier on in the year, so there's always that in the back of your mind where it's like, well, breathing huge in the dirt, but you never really know. I know he won the Remsen, you know, but who knows? Horses change, and this horse was changing. Uh, um. But Javier was working him, and, and uh, I think I was on the golf cart with Jonathan. We went back to the barn. Javier was waiting for us. He was standing over by the by the Claire Court where Jonathan's barn was, and we walked up to him. And Jonathan says, "Well, what do you think?" He goes, "Can I win the Travers for the sixth time for you?" And Jonathan was like, "Jesus Christ, Javier, come on." You know, like relaxing us. No, unbelievable horse work, unbelievable. And you know, we thought he, we thought he did, but we didn't. We wouldn't have called it unbelievable. He goes, believe me. He goes, this is the Travers horse. This is the horse you need for the Travers. And I said, wow, we weren't really ready for that. Um, and sure enough, I he jumped in my golf cart and he looked at me and he said, partner, that's a serious horse. He said, that's a real deal horse. I said, I hope you're right. And um, sure enough, here we are. And it, it turned out, actually, the day after the Travers, we were on a golf cart, and, uh, and um, Brian Morgan, who's since passed, a uh, bloodstock agent, was Chad Brown's uh, brother-in-law. And they all had dinner, Javier, Chad, Brian, um, the night before the Travers, I believe. And uh, Brian... Love playing the horses. Nice guy. Uh, he's in his car. And, um, and Javier and I were like, oh, congratulations. He goes, you were right. You were right. He goes, man, you called it. You called that horse galloped. He said, congratulations, guys. He drove away. So what are you talking about? He said, oh, I had dinner with Chad and Brian the other night. And I told them, uh, you know, Chad asked me, what do you got this weekend? Uh he goes, oh, I got this, that, and I got this for you, whatever. And I got Catholic Boy in the Travers. And um, he smiled, Javier. And Chad goes, what's that smile? 
And he says, uh, I like my horse, Mitch Travis. He goes, really? He goes, yeah, I, I like him. He goes, I think I'm going to win. Uh, wow. How about that? You know, well, you got some confidence, you know. And I didn't know that story. Javier never told it to me. And I probably wouldn't have heard it if we didn't see Brian in the car. Uh, so Javier knew, you know, we wanted to believe. And um, But when you're in that position, and uh, you, you don't ever – you never, um, you know, count the chickens. That's for sure. No, oh, no, absolutely. And then uh, I remember, I remember the Dixie. This was before I, I had, uh, um, I didn't think I knew of Jonathan Thomas, but we hadn't become friendly yet. But I, I did know Jacob West, and and I, I think I, I think maybe I text Jacob because I knew he was friends with JT. And I, when when Catholic Boy came back in the Dixie, and I asked, uh, I asked, asked Jacob if uh, if uh, if the horse was ready because it was off that layoff and. You know, clearly didn't bring the horse back to win the Dixie and, you know, all those things. Yeah. And uh, I think JT said some smart ass response back about how like, oh, I didn't go down there for the crab cakes or something like that. So I remember singling the horse when he won that day. Meanwhile, he did. <laughs> the crab cakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that and that was cool, too, to, to kind of have that horse, it's a special horse, come back. Um, the following year, it was almost like it, it, it was almost like uh, uh, getting a chance to go back to uh, summer camp in October. You know what I mean? It, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool that that horse come back, and uh, yeah, it, it was a very special horse to a lot of people. Um, obviously, that was uh, one of the highlights with your with your time working with Mister Lapenta. But you know, you you've been with him for how long now? What are what are some of the other you know kind of situations and stories? really stick out about your time uh uh kind of help guiding his stable um he hired me in 2012 april 2012 um we won the belmont stakes with tapret that was a lot of fun so jonathan was behind that too believe it or not with uh he was he was uh really instrumental in, in, in picking the horse out and uh and leading me to him to that horse um that was great with with great partners aaron wellman is uh is a great friend of mine actually he was at team valor when animal kingdom won so i got to know him then um and then he went to start eclipse which has been on fire since the moment they started and, and seems to have a, a big horse every year if not two um so it was eclipse mr lapenta and Bridalwood, where Jonathan is, uh, Mr. Malone, and the three of us bought that horse at Saratoga, um, and ended up winning the Belmont with him, 2017. That was huge. That was awesome. Uh, and Uni uh, won the Breeders' Cup last year. Obviously, that. It was awesome. Um, special Philly. And Cole Front won the Godolphin Mile in Dubai, uh, which I actually went to, which was a lot of fun. Mr. Lapenta took me with his son. Uh, the three of us went for about 50 hours, and uh, that was crazy. It's <laughs> a fun fight for 50 hours. Yeah. Well, I, we did not buy him. Steve Young bought him, but the other ones. The other one we bought from the beginning, so we got to go through the whole sale process and the whole 
the whole thing. But Cold Front um, was a horse that I managed from this little penta, and uh, and um, you know Todd had the wherewithal to take him to Dubai, and um, and it was a lot of fun. It was a different world for a couple of days, and especially because we were only there for a couple of days, it was like it never happened. But it was uh, that was awesome too. Those relationships that you developed, you know, obviously with with um, working with Mister Lapinta, like having horses with Chad and having horses with you know with Todd, and how how is that really? Uh, I think a lot of people realize that the that the agent game is is a lot about relationships. But how how much does that help? You know, just to have that base when you're when you call those guys up trying to trying to work something out. Um, a lot, a lot. Um, when it comes to Chad. When I worked for Motion, you know, Chad was was three years, four years into being a trainer and winning and noticeably winning, um, you know, but he was a fifth of what he is now. Uh, we we went out a couple times, you know, Lexington and I had dinner in a group or I had a, had a couple of drinks with some guys and I got we got to be friendly then. You know, I talked to him at the rail uh about a number or a horse that he ran the day before or something, you know, uh, um, and, and we got a rapport then. So I would say that I, I became friendly with, I've been friendly with Chad for about 10 years, you know, and then it was a couple of years later, I sort of worked for Mr. Lapenta and he had sent Chad a horse, one horse, I think when he hired me. And then we started to send him more, you know, and we just got to know each other more and got in sync. And, I think that's a lot of it. Like, yeah, you've got the relationship with the guy because you know him. You know, you talk to him sometimes. But when you get to know, forget the friendship for a minute, when you get to know the guy, you know, uh, oh, this, this, you know, you're taking a call from somebody else or you, you know that maybe, maybe uh, he's waiting, but this isn't a Chad move. But keep it in mind. But, you know, you, you kind of get to know him and, and, not to say that any of these guys are ever predictable or, or, or none of them ever catch you off guard because they can. But I think when you know the person better, it, it, it's, um, it helps. So if you get to learn the way somebody conducts their business, or I shouldn't say that, if you get to learn the way somebody is, it helps you uh, with handling your own stuff, you know? I, I don't think I'm going to run, but I like to look at it, you know? Okay, monitor the race, get back to him, feel him out. You know what I mean? Um, and, and Todd would be the same way. Todd, um, again, I, I, I met while I was with Motion and uh, never had a bad, never had a bad uh, feeling with, I mean, top-notch guy. Both of these guys handled their business so well. And they're um, they're quick to cancel if they have a cancel. They're quick to um, get their stuff organized. It's not a mistake. It's not just because they have all the horses. Believe me, these guys are do you know they they know how to handle themselves and and uh, handle their business. And they know that um you know the, the jockeys want to ride for them, but they don't abuse it because having the jockeys on. Um, on when they're riding their horse or they're breaching their horses for them, knowing that these jockeys are on the team, that's valuable to them too. You know, uh, yeah, of course I can breach tomorrow at five forty-five and then at nine thirty. 
You know what I mean? Of course. Uh, and once you earn that trust, I'm learning. Once you earn that trust, um, that you could be there for the other guy, uh, I, I think it's huge. But just having the relationship is great too. You don't have to introduce yourself if you get a new job or, or anything. Uh, Putin is no who is this guy. It's Javier hired John. Oh, great. That makes sense. You know, instead of, oh, God, what's this going to be like? <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, just seeing, you know, like watching, watching, you know, just being around agents and seeing the, how that all unfolds and just like, man, it's, it's, I, I, look, I have a memory for crazy things that have to do with racing, but the, the, the ability to kind of know the book and know what's coming up and know what you have. Oh, I got this for so-and-so someone calls you, Hey, the maiden race at Saratoga the first week, like you already like, and you, you know, Oh, I've got Chad in there. I've got Todd in there. I've got so-and-so in there. I just, I can't, man, I just, it's a lot to try to juggle. Um, are you a paper guy or iPad guy? You know what? It's funny. Last year at the draw, I, I always had an iPad and, and I, I, I love my iPad and, um, uh, you know, take it everywhere. I got a little carrier for it. it it's great. But I was having a hard time jumping to um to the ipad condition book and steve russian was next to me at the draw and I'm, Ugh, I'm having a hard time and he's like he's like yeah me too i did and now i can't stop so i just bit the bullet and now um now i have my book on there and sometimes i'll print the book out also for extra notes um but my book's on there now uh so so yeah, I'm an iPad guy now. So on a you know just on a normal draw day, like what's what's you know take us into the life of an agent on a draw day, um, you know what what's your and obviously let's, let's go let's go pre pandemic. Obviously, it's probably a little bit different now, but just like you know last summer Saratoga, it's a sun or it's a you know Wednesday they're drawing for Saturday. What's what's your what's your what's your gig like on that day? On Wednesdays in Saratoga, it's usually a little less hectic for stakes because the stakes plans are carved out. There's usually a few of them in Saratoga. So those draws are a little um, less dramatic because the stakes fields are made up. You've got your calls probably for a month. Um, and and those are the, the, the less stressful draws. Uh, in, in, I shouldn't say stressful. They're less like uh, dramatic, you know, um, but you know you get you get up and some of the maiden races, uh, those are those are more likely to overfill in Saratoga and maybe uh, you, you try to have just in case one gets excluded, you, you try to maybe have somebody name you with some jockeys behind or something. Um, but uh, in the morning, there's some guys looking at something and saying like, you know what, this horse is doing really well. I want to put him in. And, uh, you know, Cordero wrote him last time and he's taken. Uh, so somebody calls you and says, like, oh, look at this. You know, uh, uh, you, you pick up a new horse. And, and I think that kind of stuff happens day of draw uh, a little more than than a random week out situation, you know. Um, but, you know, you, you do your stuff. In Saratoga, you got the golf cart, and you go around. Hey, we're we're good today, and race four and seven, right? Yeah, all good. And you kind of check on your stuff, and if somebody waited for you, um, you kind of tell them if you're good or not, and um, and you just get your ducks in a row. 
And then you, when it's time for the actual draw, you hope that you get in. And if somebody is named twice and the horse looks good, you try to pick that up instead. When you just yell out Javier or how do you, how does that act? How, what's the mechanics of that? When, if someone's double named or something like that? Um, yeah. If a clerk is on the phone with a guy or something, um, say Todd, Todd as uh, Johnny Velasquez twice or something, you know, and he's got Todd on the phone. Uh, who's open? You know, this is totally hypothetical. Uh, Javier, Saez, Rosario, uh, Franco, and then the clerk will tell him these guys are open, and then he'll pick them there. But a lot of times it's a quick phone call. Hey, you need a you need a rider for, you know, uh, whoever. And oh, oh, you're open. Okay, you name yourself on. Okay. Hey, Keith, whatever, uh, Castellano on Fletcher. Yeah. Okay. Cool. In the, in the, in the, the slang in the, in the draw, do you guys refer to me? Do you guys refer to the riders as the agent's name? Cause I heard you do that a second ago and you said like Cordero, Cordero had one or Cordero rode last time. Or um, do you refer as the jockey's name? I was, I was calling, I was referring to Angel when he was riding. <laughs> <laughs> We use that a lot too. Like, oh, take it easy. You don't have Cordero over there. You know, <laughs> Angel's still standing right there. <laughs> you've got a uh, you've got a good relationship with Angel, as 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 most that know him do. What did how did that uh, how did that develop? Uh, actually, from when I was working with Graham, um, we became buddies. We won the uh, we won the Derby with Johnny. Um, we all and we were friendly up until then, but when we won the Derby, we all went out and, and uh, had a great night. Angel, Angel's daughter, Canella, um, Aaron, Johnny, Leona, Graham, Anita, everybody. Um, and that was kind of like got to know each other, got to hang out, see, you know, see each other outside of Palm Meadows and wherever you may be. And ever since we were, ve- we were very close and, uh, talk all the time you know um he'll you know that horse you ran the other day you know that horse is he's all right or you know maybe blinkers to that horse and kind of go back and forth that bounce a lot of stuff off of him he'll bounce a lot of stuff off me um you know as far as number or something like that uh he's so good what a judge i mean he's so good nice 75 but he's i mean the knowledge to to not ask him to to talk or, or not to ask him his his opinion on something the way he all he wants to do is talk about horses and he the way he and he wants to teach you he doesn't want to say hey i'm the teacher he'll never he never will because he's not comfortable to to he doesn't want to step out of line and say look you can learn from me but if you're smart enough to know that you can learn so much from this guy, uh, take it like take it and run because he is so sharp. How many times he's told me? Uh, I said, "Yeah, that horse was good the other day." You know, talking about. It. I didn't like the way that horse came back. I said, "What do you mean you don't like the way that horse came back?" He he was buried and pushed his way through and won by a length and a half without turning the stick over. I didn't like the way that horse came back three days later in the racing form. So-and-so is a conjugate fracture, <laughs> you know, um, uh, 
uh, he said to me one winter, I was walking out of Gulfstream. Hey, John, what, um, Doug O'Neill, it was like February or something. Doug O'Neill won a race this, this weekend or something. That's my derby horse right there. And I said, what, what did he win? I'm trying to think, what did he win? And he says, um, he says, that's the horse for the derby. You got to get Johnny on. I got to ride with Johnny. Well, I mean, you know what? Maybe the horse didn't even win, Jonathan. I don't even think he won. And he said, I got, he goes, that's the horse. That's the best horse I've seen so far. And he goes, give me one more. Give me one more, the horse. I said, give me, you know, I have no clue what you're talking about. So I look it up or he comes up with it. I don't remember how he came up with it. I'll have another. <laughs> he said, give me one more. He's calling the horse. Um, I said, I'll have another. Okay. So make a note of it. The horse wins the derby at 19 to one or whatever he is. Um, and he <laughs> give me one more. <laughs> I can hear Angel saying that. Uh, he's calling me frantic. Uh, I was, you know, where's Doug O'Neill going to run his horse? And this was, you know, what? seven years ago or whenever it was. I don't know. I don't even know the horse. Um, uh, but that's a classic angel. Another one, like, sitting at his house uh, in Long Island, just just bullshitting. I just pulled it up now. So the horse won the Lewis. That was it. But he went off 15-1 to 1 in the Derby. So when he saw him win the Lewis, he said the horse was going to win the Derby. Um, uh, I was sitting at his house one afternoon. Like, I must have had a horse in Belmont or something. And I uh, said, I'm just bullshitting. And they were running a jump race. Um, and it was on the screen, whatever. And they just broke off. Like, you know how they would raise the flag. And they just broke off. And they were, like, coming by the wire. And he goes, to, and he was on a swivel chair. And he was, like, half looking at me and half looking at the screen. He says, the gray horse is going to win. And he goes back to me, he's telling me a story. And sure enough, like two and a half minutes later, whatever, three and a half minutes later, the gray horse is winning. <laughs> the gray horse wins the race. Uh, how, how did you know that? I can just tell. I can just tell. Uh, and that's, you know, the small story, but for some reason, I just always remember it. Was jumping. Yeah, that's horses are getting their feet under them, you know? Uh, but he's just looking at the horses in half speed. I know that he told uh, he told a, a friend of ours. Um, he told Jake Ballas. He told Jake that uh, I won't say the horse's names. I don't want to like call anybody out. But there is a prominent two year old that has turned out to not be good at all. Uh-huh. And he called it when he was back then. He said he's not sound. He won't stay sound. And the, I don't think the horse has won since he was a two year old. And he was meant to be like the next real deal. And and I an angel just something about the way that he was moving. I mean, there's got to be something to it. A, a, you know, especially nowadays, like, you know, these riders nowadays and all of us, you, me, everyone included, we have so many other things going on. We can be so distracted by so much, so much other stuff. Like all Angel did was, was be around horses. That's yeah. all he did. He was around horses every day, all day. That's what he breathed and, and sleep. So slept. So, um, you know, th- that goes a long way. You know, it goes a long way when you're trying to, to be able to, to better identify uh, the talent and the and the possibilities of these horses. Um, it sure does. This is, brings me to a story. Uh, someone I can't remember. Maybe it was maybe it was Jacob West told me to ask you about the time that you got Cassie's assistance number from Angel. <laughs> uh, I was uh, 
I don't know, like three days on the job. And he said, John, call me up. He's always calling me like he's on fire, you know. John, what's up? And he goes, we open at race one? And I said, hey, here's Angel helping me out on my first week. <laughs> and he opened at race one. I said, yeah, I'm open. What's up? He goes, call uh, Mark Cassie's assistant. And I said, okay. Um, you got his number? He said, yeah, I'll send it to you when we hang up. Okay. He goes, I got to ride whoever, Todd or whatever. Okay. So <laughs> I hang up. I don't hear from him for five minutes. I'm like, what about the number? You know, you got the number for the guy? And he uh, texted to me and he sent me the contact of the, of the Jamie, his name is it, who uh, works for Mark. Uh, and sure enough, I open it up and the name is Casey's ass. <laughs> no, all right. No, good luck finding out what this kid's name is. <laughs> I calling Casey's ass and uh, kid answers. Hey, this is John. Um, what's your name? He goes, oh, it's Jamie. Hey, Jamie, what's up, man? Uh, race one. Uh, Angel gave me your number and uh, wanted me to put you on. Put me on. He goes, I'm surprised Angel has my number. <laughs> I said, Well, you don't even know what you're saying under, buddy. <laughs> so this is good stuff. Classic. Oh, I've I've heard that Angel's phone, uh, the the what he has people saved at in his phone is probably is probably I could do an entire podcast just reading through the names. Um, uh, it, Jake always tells me what he calls uh, what he calls uh, Charles Fipke. Something funny, man. Um, I can't, I'm not gonna be able to remember what it is. Anyone tell you what he calls Jonathan? Uh uh-uh. uh, Jennifer. <laughs> He's calling Jennifer, so in many point goes, she's on Jennifer, Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Everyone always says, What's that about? Jennifer is a long story. <laughs> and actually, when, when we're in the draw, the, the clerk in the uh, in the in the office. When he pulls Jonathan's horse uh, name out, he calls him Jennifer too. <laughs> yeah, know, dude, it's so funny. Homage to Angel. <laughs> he, uh, I've heard. I, I'm. I don't want to ruin all these pipes stories. I, ho- hopefully, one day we get pipes to make his debut on the show. It's gonna have to be. Uh, it's gonna have to be a parental advisory. But <laughs> he tells a story about uh, you know Angel's famous for playing video games all the time, and they'll play baseball. And I guess there's a baseball player that I don't remember which team it is, but there's a baseball player named like Santana. And every time Santana comes up to bat, <laughs> pipe said, angel says, every time he says Santana Rubens jockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> oh, what a guy. What a guy. Yeah. He's the best. Um, so, uh, I didn't know this. Pete was telling me that I didn't know you, I know you could handicap, but I didn't know that you won that uh, famous Huddy contest one year. I did. I did. I did. Uh, yeah. Pete roped me in there and um, I won that. Oof. It was probably like 2013 or 14. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a hard contest. That's the, it's like the entire meet and I played it at one time, man. I, that was a struggle. It's brutal. I, I probably even forgot to do it a day or missed it, the cutoff by a day. And I was, um, I mean, talk about a Hail Mary. I won on like the, I hit two bombs 
uh, Sunday. And I don't bet. You know, I don't really bet. Uh, but that's cool because it cost 100 bucks at the beginning of the meet. Um, I wasn't an agent at the time, so I had, like, you know, a couple extra minutes in the morning. Um, and it cost 100 bucks, but it's like a free pass for the whole meet. So you got reason to look a little extra. And uh, and on the last Saturday, last Sunday of the meet, I hit two horses that were like 20 to 1 on the same day. One was like 25, one was like 18 maybe. And I went from like 13th to 1st. And then I held on on the closing, you know, hopeful day or whatever, one day. Um, and I held on. So that was cool. That was cool for me. I don't know. Maybe I did it one or two times after, but I haven't done it in a couple of years. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's just oh, you know yeah. that commitment. You always feel like you got. You always feel like you have something to do. You know, I mean, I kind of feel like that anyways. I'm sure you do too. It's like it's like I don't need another thing that I. It's just like I have to do. You know, it just stresses me out. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, but now it's like forget it. I mean, uh, I forget it. I can't do it. Yeah, it'd be that'd be tough. Pete told a story about uh, at the beginning. And he said some of it we probably have to leave out. But at the beginning of starting with Javier, you were at dinner and uh, someone was poking at you uh, saying that you picked the wrong Chad horse. But you were right and your horse your horse won. Do you remember which horse that was? Okay. I don't remember who it was. I'd, I'd imagine that comes up quite a bit though, huh? I mean – Having to uh, it does, yeah. probably not necessarily pick. I would I would think Chad probably does a lot of the picking, but I would I would imagine sometimes you find yourself in a position where you do have to make a decision, right? Right, right. And and a, and a lot of times, you know, um, you're two for two on this horse, and you only ridden the other horse once, and you won on it. But the right thing to do is to ride the other horse. And Chad is great, great to deal with for what he has going on. Uh, he's available. Um, just, you know, he, he's available and, and, and he, he respects your position. You know, a lot of these guys, uh, at the top, they, I mean, we're, we're lucky as agents. And uh, I think I can speak for a few agents that we get to deal with. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of class and a lot of tightly run and well run operations that we, uh, that feed us. You know, and um, and if you help them out of a situation, uh, they 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 remember it. You know, whether whether it's riding a, a horse that you may uh, not have chosen first, um, but have to do it. Um, that happens sometimes, and it is what it is because it evens out, and it's worth it in the end. How often do you get calls? And I'm not not trying to throw anyone on the bus. How often do you get calls just from like random random connections that it's like almost shocking to you that they felt like they could get Javier? Jesus, <laughs> oh, um, you know I'm just saying like, and I mean that like not even so much in New York. I mean like you get a call from some guy in 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 Canterbury that's running in a, in a fifty thousand dollars stake, and he just really wanted the owner really wanted me to try to get Javier, and I had to give you a call to see if I could do it. Does that happen very often, or or not at all? Not very often. Sometimes though, sometimes yeah. Um, it, luckily, um, uh, you can you can count it on on your commands, you know, in, in two years. 
What about friends? Do you do you get a lot of? Is it does this? Does your do you get put in a, in a bind sometimes? You know, you got a lot of friends in the industry, obviously. Or uh, is it does it is it actually more of? Does it make it easier to kind of tell someone no when they're a friend, or does it make it more difficult? Um, it probably easier um, because uh, a lot of my friends get it. You know, uh, oh. Listen, if I'm four for four on your horse and you're going to be six to one and I can ride something that's nine to it's seven to two that I've never ridden, I'm going to ride the horse, your horse, you know, I, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to make a lateral ish move when I've been riding your horse and it's worked, you know, but if you're 15 to one, like, for instance, if like a guy like JT who, you know, JT came to my wedding, you know, uh, if he had a 15 to one shot and, and Brad, you know, I've been, rode the horse last time and won a, an allowance race and Brad Cox calls me and he's going to be three to one. And I'm like, JT, I can't ride the horse. I, you know, I, who do you want me to get? You know? And he's like, listen, the horse is just second in the grade one. Like, here's my reasoning. He gets it, you know? So from the front aspect, yeah, you get it. Like if it's, I'm not going to do that to him in the Kentucky Derby and leave him with uh, some guy that's been riding in Timbuktu, you know, um, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to spin anybody or surprise them. Uh, friend or not friend, you just try to, um, you know, you, you try, you're not going to call anyone without options. Hey, I'm stuck. But good news, I can get Jose Ortiz or one of these other guys, you know. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't really realize that, that you guys did that until I guess maybe just like hanging out with like, you know, I, you know, I guess maybe Pippito was like the first agent I was like around, like in like intimate settings where he just spoke freely. Like I didn't really – I didn't realize that when you can't ride or when you have to spin someone, it makes a lot of sense that you're always helping out the other guy. You know, it felt like it was kind of like a dog-eat-dog world, but it's not really like that. Right. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's a lot of communicating between agents. Hey, are you open on the 4th on July 10th or whatever? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, and I'd ask another guy, you know, are you open? Yes. I ask the third guy. No, he's not open. Okay. And then you, you know, uh, you, you call whoever you have the call with, if you're trying to get out and say, listen, I've got a problem. Uh, I can ride this horse, probably the favorite or second choice. Um, I can get you, you know, Cordero or Santos. But um, if if it's a problem, don't worry about it. You know, but the other horse is alive. I did ride him once before, whatever the case may be. Um, but I don't want to put you in a bad spot. Uh, you know what? No problem at all. Um you know, Angel rode the horse in his debut and he actually ran fine. Uh, that's fine. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. I owe you one. And then he called the agent and said, listen, you're on so-and-so. Okay, thank you. And you'd like to think that that agent, okay, John helped me out. He, he'll have one in Saratoga. You know, uh, I'll try to get him on one of my doubles in Saratoga. But if you call a guy and say, I can't ride the horse, sorry, we're drawing in 10 minutes and nobody's open, 
man, you better be ready for a butt whooping, you know? Oh yeah. And I can imagine, do you, do you, um, and, and, and be thinking, I, I got a question, but be thinking about any, uh, any, any fun spin stories without using the names of people. If you can think of any, those are always my favorite. I just think they're hilarious. I, Chris tells one of my favorite ones. I can't wait for him to tell him this, this show about angel spinning somebody. And, uh, oh my God. And, and he told Chris, you talk to him, Chris, tell him I'm in airport security. <laughs> it's, it's the best story. It's the best story ever. But, uh, so, I mean, I guess it would be tricky, right? Like you want, I mean, do you want to be doubled for a race so that you know, you're going to get Javier on something or is being doubled a problem that you try to avoid? You try to avoid it. Listen, if you, if, if you ask me for a race and, and Chad asked me for a race, um, I'm going to tell you no and ride Chad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If you ask me no, for of course. a race and Chad asked me for a race and they've been riding them both and here we go, they're going to meet finally. Um, I'd like to say to Chad, like, um, I might have a problem with JK. Who do you want me to get behind if I can't get out of it, or if he doesn't wind up running? Can you? Can I have a couple of days to kind of see what's going on? You know, he says, "All right, if you can get me Irad or, or Rosario Jose or something, that'll be fine." I understand. And I go back to you and say, "Chad might run," or, or you know, tell him just to basically tell you the truth. You know, of what tell you what I just told Chad, and he said the same thing. Like Jose Ortiz is fine. Said to me, okay, so call Jose Ortiz's agent, Jimmy. Jimmy, are you opening the second race? Yeah, I'm open. Okay, I'm going to put you on JK or Chad. But somebody asked you, let me know. Okay. Yeah, so I go back to JK. Hey, I got Jose behind me. I'll see how this plays out. Um, and Chad's fine with it too. Okay, great. Thanks. So if we get closer, you call me 10 hours later. Hey, scratch. My horse is sick. Whew. Okay. I can still ride Chad. You know? And I called Jimmy and said, hey, call off the dogs. Uh, um, Jonathan's not running. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that that's, uh, dude, I, I find that to be just such a, like a, I just feel like, I feel like it's one of those jobs where you're always pissing somebody off. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. And, and listen, you um, you can win the bluegrass. I mean, look at Calvin Burrell. He wins the Kentucky Derby. Two weeks later, he takes off, and he wins. Do you think that was a hard? Do you think that was a hard decision for them? I mean, he was so confident in Rachel Alexandra. It seemed like, and I was. What did I know? I was graduating college, uh, but just reading the papers and his body language and everything, like. That was he didn't have a doubt in his mind that this Philly's total freak, you know, by yeah. once in a lifetime, which he is. Um kind of horse and the other horse is a nice horse, but he was fifty to one and everything went perfect, you know. Um so I don't know. I mean it would be hard for me because it's like you know, he just won the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> but look at that, he took off. I won the Derby and took off. Yeah, I think is I think that it would have been a harder decision for him if 
the Derby winner would have been tra- if that was Super Saver. Oh, if the Derby that. winner was trained by Todd, I think that because it was Chip Woolley, it was like, you know, it was so, an easy decision. Steve asked me to, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if you go and get beat, uh, and you took off the Derby winner and you got beat. What if the horse goes and won the Triple Crown? That stuff, that stuff's in your head. I think any agent in the country would have done the same thing, but for two weeks you're sweating uh, about Rachel Alexandra skipping the race or getting beat or, you know, I, I would anyway. I, I, I try not to expect to be undefeated on moves you make, but you, you like to be right a lot and yeah. wrong very little. And that's tough, believe me. When you win the Oaks and the Derby, everything is great until they both go to the same race. <laughs> and a lot of times they're galloping out. Uh, someone says congratulations to you, and you're thinking about the four-star Aves in five weeks, and I already have a call. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I can only imagine that. And, and that's the thing is like one of the things I've talked about, you know, being being around you know guys like yourself and and being around trainers and just other situations like that's a game i used to play that i don't play anymore which is like the you know irad picked this one over that one i don't play that game anymore because there's 197,000 reasons as to why irad is on that horse and it's not always cuz he picked them exactly exactly and uh I, I think that that's one, you know, what's one thing I always try. I think I might even, I did this ABR thing and they asked me like, what's one like myth that you would tell horse players, the jockey musical chairs. Yeah. Right. You know, right. it's just it's too many things. I mean, I think the other day I texted you about a, a horse and I was like, did you pick that one? And you were like, no, I just didn't know that this one was going. Cause that one was late and this one, this one and that one. And I was like, dude, in the old days, I'd have just been like, Javier picked that horse. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Singling. Unless, you know? unless it's a, um, Unless it's a uh, situation like Mike Smith last year, what was it, Roadster? I think Roadster and uh, and Omaha Beach in the Derby. It was like a whole LeBron James decision thing, you know. And there was a whole lead up. What's he gonna do? What's he gonna do? You know. And um, he explained it, so you knew the story. But I wouldn't look down and say. Man, Javier chose this one over this undefeated Philly trained by, you know, uh, Joe Blow. And he's riding Chad's. It doesn't look as good as Joe Blow's. This horse must be really nice. No. (laughs) You know, uh, Joe Blow is a killer, but Joe Blow is one horse. You know? Um, And a lot of times, you know, you got to do... You got to If you put it this way, if you have control of the situation, uh, and it's that simple. Oh, it's Chad. He's got two hundred horses, and he's he. You know, he puts me on all these winners throughout the year. That's one thing. But if there's if you had a call with a horse, and the better one was supposed to run somewhere else, and it rained off the turf, and it's going to go there instead, that's out of your hands. If you're stuck, you know. Uh, so it's a situation of riding. A horse that you may be undefeated on, and and, and it's your number one customer, versus um, 
you know, a one a one horse stable who's got, you know, four go. Is there any? This is a question I've always wanted to ask. Um, you know, because it feels like Joel, Irad, and you, you know, equally kind of get the good chat, the good Chad horses. There's really no science behind it. Javier's on. You know, if, if you said who's the best one in Chad's barn, you'd think about three or four of them. And Javier's on one, Irad's on one, Joel's on one. You know, it, it doesn't seem like I'm, – I'm sure a lot of it is luck. Um, just you were there and you got this one and they got that one because you got this one and you got this one because they got that one. Is there any more to that? I mean, do you – is there – does Chad – do you feel like Chad maybe picks Javier for certain horses and Irad for certain horses and Joel for certain horses? Or do you think it's just really just kind of – he feels confident in all three of those guys and just where, where they end up, they end up. I think he might, um, he might think to himself, I wouldn't ask, you know, uh, why not that one or why this one instead? I wouldn't ask that. Uh, I think he might say this one fits Rosario or this one fits Javier or, or, or this one fits, you know, I or Jose or who, Johnny, whoever he's writing. Uh, so I, I do think there's probably a little bit of it. There's probably, and not just limited to Chad, there's probably owner preference on some. It'll, you know, whether, you know, uh, whether it makes sense or not, it's everybody's, everybody is usually thinking, um, thinking something about a rider or, or I have luck with this guy, you know. Oh, this guy just won the Breeders' Cup for this guy and, I'm going to put him on this one. It reminds me of that horse. You know what? It could be anything, you know, uh, this one's by Curlin. This is why Robbie Alvarado rides it. It reminds me of that horse. He looks just like him. You know, it, I've heard a, a, a lot of those type of things. Um, so it, it could be anything or it could be like, Hey, listen, uh, I like this horse and you ride Catholic boy. Say Jonathan has two, Traverse horses in 2018. Well, you've got Catholic boy. I just got this horse transferred to me. I'm going to run him in the Jim Dandy than the Travers. Catholic boy's on target for the for the Travers. So Johnny Velasquez is going to ride this one because my plan is to have them both in the Travers. You know, and you're going to have a conflict at that point, and you don't want that conflict with Bob Lapenta because he's not going to be happy with you if you choose the other horse. Uh, it could be something like that, you know, it, uh, and it never really gets there. Cause you're not going to ask Todd why you're not riding quality road. <laughs> you know what I mean? How come he gets to ride quality road? What? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I've, I've seen that one a couple times. It's hard to see it, but you can see it where they, they make a decision based on, on what's going to happen down the road. Cause they don't want to have to make the change and the switch. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think there's a lot of different different uh, intangibles. Another big horse we should probably talk about you getting on and and was a big one for you, obviously for for your buddy Michael McCarthy was was City of Light, which was a which was an interesting one. How that all unfolded because that was a situation where, um, you know, Drayden obviously made a decision, and then uh, when they came out for the forego, um, there was Irad, and and that didn't go well, and then there was a not that it was Irad's fault necessarily. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I'm not saying that it was or wasn't, but um, 
And then, and then it works out where, where you got on and you got to win two of the big rate two two of the biggest races in city of lights career, but also for, for McCarthy's career as well. Yeah, that, that was cool. Was, Cause you're equally as happy for, for Michael uh, who works hard and has worked hard for a long time and deserves a horse like that. Um, we didn't ride him in the four ago. Um, and did you try to ride him in the four? I mean, did, was there, a, was there an attempt and it just, it, it just ended up having to be IRAD, you know, maybe an owner's choice or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it was, I believe, um, I believe, why do you have to, why do you have to confirm this? I believe, uh, the owner, uh, Mr. Warren, um, who's one of the most, uh, most special guys I, I've had the chance to have no experience with, but just a conversation or two. What a neat guy. He wrote us a letter after city of light. And it was, it was very cool. Actually still have it on my desk. Um, uh, he had cashed a bet on Irad, a horse Irad rode leading up to the four ago. And, and that's what he told me. He said, Hey, listen, guys, you guys in charge. He's, uh, he's, He's rolling with Irad. It's no problem. I'm like, I wasn't riding the horse anyway. You're not taking me off, you know? And after the race, um, Whitey, his confidence didn't didn't uh, dwindle at all in the horse. And he actually, horse started to thrive after he got beat, it seemed like. Um, and I wasn't riding anything at all. And it was like September 5th, you know, uh, in that division. In the in the mile, I figured that's where he would go, and uh, I said, "Listen, if you go to the mile, it's like it was Labor Day. I was like, all right, I'll commit to the mile right now. Okay, okay, okay. Well, let me see what I can do. You know, uh, good to know, good to know. You're gonna have to breeze him at some point, though." I said, "I will. You name it." I said, "You're gonna go to Churchill early." He said, "Yeah, we'll definitely go early." I said, "Well, we'll we'll go down there and breeze. No, I mean, please, I love the horse." And uh, he worked it out to where Javier could ride the horse, but we were going to breeze him. So we took a plane, uh, Javier, myself, I went because there was a spot. And Junior Alvarado, uh, Junior was breezing something also uh, from Farmingdale, Long Island. And we, um, he worked Catholic Boy and City of Light. And we got on the plane. And, uh, you know, we divided and conquered and met and got in the plane and sat on there. And said, what do you think? Uh, he said, City of Light Breeze, unbelievable. He goes, oh, yeah, really unbelievable. I said, I'd seen the work, but I hadn't talked to him about it. He goes, no, that horse breeze, big, big time. Great. <laughs> we went back, got it, we flew home. He rode Belmont that day. and we went down a week later for the breeders cup and the horse was one of the, one of the best performances of the weekend. Oh, he was, he was light. I'm just, I'm, I, I guess I'm almost mad at myself. I didn't bet more. I mean, I hit a little bit just cause you know, hanging around, uh, you know, Whitey's barn that whole weekend. I was, you know, I was obviously excited how good he was going to run and man, he was unbelievable from down in there. And, Javier was a perfect ride. Sent them away from there. He he rode them like like he breezed them the other day, and it was unbelievable. You know, ton of confidence. Right. I think I saw you that that weekend. Did we with uh, Pete? 
Yeah, no, I th- actually that I was with you guys when we uh when when we rode over for yep. uh, for the breeze. And yep. and uh that was the first time I got to see uh Whitey and JT go at each other. I was like, dang, are they am I sure these guys like each other? <laughs> they were going at I didn't realize these two used to be married. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think we went over to the front side, and I, I actually I think I watched that work. Um, right, and I, I uh, we were stuffed into the like Tahoe or something. Right, right. Imperial Hint, I think, was galloping around there like a madman. Yeah. Um, galloping out, bree- galloping, breezing, breeze. Yeah, gallop breezing. He was what he was doing. <laughs> but um, and then all obviously the the uh, the Pegasus was big, you know, for you as well, and and your you know early early time with Javier to get that big win like that had to be, uh, had to be pretty special as well. That was awesome. That was great. And again, with, with Whitey, just so psyched for him. And, and, um, again, Javier worked that horse, uh, um, at Gulfstream week before he ran. And I was down there for that. And, uh, we were, uh, he was putting his tack in his trunk. He said, partner, that horse and breeze unbelievable. I said, "Yeah, he looked. He looked like you handled it." Huh? He goes, "Knock on wood. We're in good. Sh- like we're in good shape there. If we can get lucky, like not accelerated, just won the Breeders' Cup, you know." And and leading up to it, I will say this: I'll give Whitey all the credit in the world. This horse, John. This horse, you know, Whitey. This horse. I'm telling you, I just wish. It, I just wish we were there. He said, "I just wish it was here. I wish the race was here." Like, all right, Whitey, calm down. You know, like, you know, you can do this. You know, I just wish the race was here. I just wish the race was Saturday. I wish it was Saturday. And uh, he called me one day. I had just got married. Um, like, I don't know, 10 days before. And we went to Stowe, Vermont for like a couple days, like three or four days. Um, stayed in a nice hotel in the mountains or whatever. It was snow all over the place. And he calls me up. I'm like, we're, we were on a sleigh, a sleigh ride, like on, a, on an open sleigh. <laughs> My wife and I were like, well, God, this sounds cool. It was actually terrible. Like two big Clydesdales plodding through the, like a woods trail going three miles an hour. It was like, all you can do is hear the bells rattle. I was like, oh, geez. This isn't exactly what I thought of when I thought of sledding, you know. Uh, my phone rings. I'm all bundled up. And it's whitey. It's like, um, I'm like, oh, it's Michael. And, and this is like, I don't know, five weeks before the Pegasus. Four weeks. It's right at Christmas. And I said, what's up? He goes, what are you doing? I'm, like, I'm on an open sleigh. I'm going for a sleigh ride through the through the trails of Vermont. What are you What are you doing? And he's like, what the fuck? You know? And he's like, listen, I just want to tell you, like, I'm going to run this horse in the Pegasus. Uh, like we're all systems go like everything just wanted to make sure everything was good and I said, yeah, everything's good you got it like let's go and it's like uh i'll never forget when he called me that but when he called me that day because i could hear in his voice like it was almost like he had money had fallen from the sky or or something that was unbelievable happened and he didn't really know how to um get away with it you know what i mean <laughs> like like uh, we just robbed the bank and there's nobody here you know like uh let's get out of here aka let's run the race you know 
He, yeah, he, he knew he five weeks out, he knew he was going to win and he was feeling <laughs> he was feeling guilty already. It was one of those things. And I hung up with him and I was like, huh, I'll, I'll remember that. You know, not only that I was on a sleigh ride in Vermont, but uh, that um, that this guy's oozing with confidence right now. And I love what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, we got a couple a couple more things I want to hit with you real quick, and then we'll, we'll hop out of here. Um, the Pete told me to ask you about your buddy named Scotty uh, Lewandowski, who 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 told everyone that his birthday he had a special birthday. But it wasn't really his birthday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Scotty was. I told everybody in college uh, to to come to Saratoga. You won't believe it. And five or six guys came. And a couple of them came multiple times. And Scotty has never missed a summer since college. And we graduated 2008, so it's like 12 summers, you know. Uh, he's never missed a, a summer. The guy walked into – first off, he's a maniac. Uh, let me start by saying that. Um, the guy walked into Saratoga, and I saw his eyes come out of his head. Uh, like, he looked at me like – I'm so glad I called your um, – I, I answered when you rang the bell, the Saratoga bell, you know. And he looked at me like, I can't believe this place exists. And I grew up three hours south. Uh, so he's obsessed with Saratoga and his favorite weekend. He thinks the Travers – by the way, he, he loves the game, the gambling and, and, and the ins and outs. And he goes the morning sometimes. Uh, but – he thinks the Travers is for amateurs, uh, so he's inherited Alabama Day as his birthday every year. And everybody, he knows more people than I do, by the way, in Saratoga. Uh, I'll lose him for you know a day and a half during the weekend, and then I'll, he'll show up at my place after. Um, everybody thinks he's born on Alabama Day, I, and no one's ever asked him. Oh, is it August 16th? Is that your birthday? They just figure no one's ever caught on to him that it's actually not his birthday. And and, and he's not born in the third or second or third uh, Saturday of every August. And his birthday is actually in February. But <laughs> Alabama's his birthday, and that's his birthday party. For whatever Scotty reason under the sun, that's what he does. And uh, he's 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 uh, accumulated uh, some following and and uh and fans uh, in saratoga over the years so what's better than uh what's better than the racetrack we try not to have too much scotty in saratoga can be dangerous we all have those friends <laughs> um restaurants what 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 are we going to do uh what are we going to do this summer how's it how's it looking what's is, is everything going to open what, is, what we're going to have some patios what, what are your kind of go-to spots um in general and then what do you think you're going to be trying to do this summer um, well, I'm up here now in Saratoga, um, and everything is open. Everything is open. Thankfully, this this area never really got pounded with COVID. Um, I'm I'm interested and a little worried, hesitant to see how what happens uh, uh, this summer with you know Wake crowd and and some Saratoga. It looks like we're not going to have fans, but I think there's still going to people coming in. Uh, and, and if we get a spike or if we take a step back, but, uh, my wife and I sat outside of 15 church, um, 
in the patio. The inside was not open at the time, but they've since opened it. I think it's half capacity inside. And and 15 Church Patio had some tables missing, but uh, it was a good vibe in there and a good feel. Like you didn't feel like you were testing the waters. You know, it, it was it was enough. It, it, it was good. You know, uh, we ate at Stereo Danny, which is very good. Um, which across the street from Congress Park. We ate at uh, Solevo. Actually, dinner with Chad Solevo. We sat on the on the uh, sidewalk. That was nice. They've since opened inside. Um, and that's where we've had dinner in the last month and a half in Saratoga. Um, and each time was good. And, and people are sitting inside. Um, so knock on wood. Um, I think I think New York as a state has has done a great job with with handling their um, the, the virus, and I think Naira's doing a good job too. And I I think um, they should stick to 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 what they're doing and and try to keep it. Don't get carried away. And the states never acted carried away. Um, you just they're respecting the the process that of this unforeseen, never been dealt with situation. Uh, uh, I think they've done a great job. You see some of these other states opening up and kind of going off sides a little bit um, and getting penalties for it because it's just really kicking the can down the road with this virus instead of trying to nip it in the bud. Uh, but restaurants in Saratoga, don't want to get too virusy on you. Um, those are my those are our our, our favorite places 15 church posterior danny salevo new in town uh, a couple of years now but uh, yeah last summer every time i tried to go to 15 church it was always kind of tough to get in obviously it probably won't be as busy this year but i also uh i also on the fox broadcast threw out a little 15 church shout out so i'm hoping that maybe that'll pay off for me exactly. <laughs> sending it in ask for jimmy <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I was, yeah, that's great. Well, man, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, to getting up there and and um, and 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 watching uh, watching Javier and, and your success carry on through the through the summer. I know that Javier is is uh, his career for for a Hall of Famer. His career, um, I mean, yeah, I think he's even said it. It just it it, it for a while it slowed down, and it's uh, it's I think it's apparent to everyone that his resurgence and his uh, return to where he's meant to be is in large part because of his hard work, but uh, also because of you. Well, thank you for, for saying that. Um, that that's really kind to of you. Um, but with, with him, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I've used this a few times, like I'm selling iPhones over here, you know, and you're selling burner phones, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, these, prepaid phones and believe me we hustle you know he's out there breezing horses that he may never ride he's out there breezing horses that he doesn't know the name of he's breezing horses for people that um that uh that are going to support him you know and i'm hustling uh, uh looking through charts and, and doing my my part of it uh the uh the numbers and, and the charts and and he's doing everything out there and he doesn't say he doesn't say no he's the total package you know what you're going to get with Javier. Um, and, and really, he's 
he's so hungry and so it's amazing because you know we take it for granted a little bit like so you watch basketball and you don't get to get in the locker room with uh you know Vince Carter or that's one one side of it because you look at a guy like Mike Smith or Gary Stevens who who seems to be ageless too you know he's finally hung it up Johnny V going to be 50 Javier's 42 uh uh you look at a Vince Carter and it's like man this guy he's still around it's like you know what that guy does to still be around you know what i mean uh and then you look at a guy like LeBron James who's 34 or 35 who's a total beast but like we're not in that circle so it's almost like we look at those guys and say like man what are they look at LeBron look at LeBron with his shirt off or whatever or or look at him rip through everybody like Javier's daily routine and and weekly routine he'll never tell you about it because he's not a guy to, to wave his flag like that but like his 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 exercise routine and his sleep and his, you know, his uh, dedication and reading the form. It's so special. He's not just good at riding horses. He does everything. That's like part of his package. He's prepared. He's mentally prepared, physically prepared. He's, he's just always dialed in. I haven't caught him once, like not paying attention. And it makes sense. The guy's actually in the top of his profession in the Hall of Fame, and he's he's a special guy and a special talent. And I'm like I'm lucky to have his book. Very lucky, and uh, and uh, and I'm just equally as much to learn from him, his work ethic. While I'm not going to be, uh, you know. Uh, running miles in the morning or, or or doing what he does to stay tuned in i can apply it to what i'm doing and it's and it's a uh it's it's free education for me and it, it's a real privilege yeah I and mean, I, I love that he i love that he you know that he, that he addresses you as partner too i think that's great i think that's that's what it should be in, in order to get the most out of that relationship is, is more of a partnership and and i'd be remiss if <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm sure in the intro i'll mention this but i'd be remiss if i didn't uh mention that uh you just won a grade one this weekend by the way and one of the most famous grade ones that there is in the met mile and it was a perfect javier ride as well just the way that he popped away from there took the lead gave him a breather and looked like he was in trouble I mean, I got to be honest with you, at the quarter pole, my eyes were on Vacoma. Then I looked to see where Code of, I mean, Code of Honor and McKinsey were because Vacoma looked done. He looked like he was going to be passed. And so I was like, well, let me find the run. Who's going to win? And I started, I just kept my eyes on Code of Honor. I was like, oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Here he comes. And I'm thinking Vacoma's out the back. And he was right there on the rail and he re-kicked and he won. Listen, that's a special horse, and George is – oh, my God. The job that George has done with that horse, uh, really, first off, getting him to the Derby last year, he was – so he ended up on the horse. Uh, he was going to run in the Florida Derby, and George called an audible and went to the bluegrass. Uh, thought it was a better situation for the horse, and he was dead right. Uh, went to the to the Derby, and – a little far, you know, it wasn't up for it there. I can't tell you he won't get it down the road, but um, it just wasn't for him. Uh, 
And to bring him back, I mean, he won that race in uh, Minnesota Shackleton in, in, um, in Gulfstream. Uh, Javier, actually, Javier breezed him, I don't know, five or six times leading up to it. And then he came up positive with COVID. So he, he, he man, he rode him that that day. And um, the horse came back so well. But, like, it was one of those things, like, uh, man, that horse was impressive today. Yeah, he was pretty good. That horse was off a year layoff, 11 months, you know. Uh, and then he brought him back. He was going to run him in the Carter. He wanted to run Carter, Carter, Carter. Um, and they kept pushing it back. We had no idea when the race was. We'd first heard it was going to be like May 20th or something like that. And then they pushed racing back, you know, and then, so George is training to a car that doesn't exist. So he's got no clue when the date is. And then it comes up sure. Okay. The car is going to be June 6th. So George says, we'll do that, you know, to me. And so it's a lot of these guys, they're pointing to a race, and it's not just limited to Vacoma. A lot of these guys, when we had no schedule for a while, uh, they they're they're pointing to races that aren't there. And, but for a horse of this to run against these kind of horses and and be and uh, have him so right, and, and not just George's wife Cindy as well, who gets on Vacoma, um, just an just an incredible job. And then for that horse to run as big as he did in the Carter and come back a month later and run equally as big going a little further. I mean, man, claps to those guys. They 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 did a, they done a hell of a job with that horse. And that horse is very good. Oh no, I can't wait to I can't wait for the four to go. I mean I'm assuming that's where they'll that's where they'll they will go with that one. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I mean you could I wouldn't I wouldn't uh I wouldn't be scared to bet him in the in the in the Whitney, but it it sounds like George is gonna to try to keep him around one turn and and uh and go that route. So that'll be fun. Especially if the, that if Ask Me Since Horse comes up. I'd love to see those two hook up. I'm sure you wouldn't, but I would. <laughs> Where, wherever he goes, we will be rolling with Vacoma. So uh, and George and Cindy we trust. Absolutely. And then and then uh just to wrap up, we're you know, we're excited about uh rushing fall this weekend. I'm assuming you guys are going to Keeneland? Yes. Javier will be at Keeneland on Friday the tenth and Saturday the eleventh. Um he'll ride uh Rushing Fall and the Jenny Wiley. Which is funny, is I was talking to somebody earlier yesterday. It's like you got the um the Jenny Wiley a week before the Boston Spa, which is a month before the Diana. <laughs> so everything's different this year and uh we didn't think jenny the uh, rushing fall would be running at keeneland in july but or or we didn't think we'd be going to keeneland in july um but where rushing fall is you go too so uh she's unbelievable special special philly who really uh who really uh needs her rushing fall appreciation day because she's just out of control good and she's been good for so long and and uh again like talking about chad uh george with pacoma chad with rushing falls is uh, is in the same category with just yeah are so good and and from she won a debut she won the breeders cup you know and she's here she has a five like she put on a show the other day in that race and 
and that wasn't a slouch race. And no, no, she got an opportunity. I, I think I tweeted. I saw maybe Blood Horse wrote it that she's got an opportunity to to Lady Eli Beholder to win a Grade One, Two, Three, Four, and Five. So, it's wild. It's wild. so yeah. cool. And, uh, and, and for great owner too, Bob Edwards and his family. Uh, it, it, it's she's a cool horse with a with a cool um, story and a group of people around her. JP will be uh, will be rooting for you this weekend, and we'll be rooting for you this summer. And uh, if I can't get a if I can't get in at uh, fifteen church, I'll just see if I can text you and bring you along for the ride. I don't know if I'm that strong there, but if we have a table, we'll pull a chair in, and you'll be you'll be there. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, at least I know how I'm going to get into 15 Church this year. I, I did uh, on on the Fox show, I think on Woody Stevens, I threw out a little shot in there at uh, a good shot, you know, a positive plug for 15 Church, hoping that someone from there would, would hear it. That way, when, when I show up and I need a table, maybe I can get hooked up a little bit so I don't have to wait outside or, or uh, walk down the street and, and hope that I can find somewhere else to eat. So, um if, but you know, look, I think I got a plug now. It sounds like Johnny P's got the hook up there, so that that could be uh, that could be how I could make that happen. Uh, such a cool, uh, such a cool guy, and such a great opportunity to talk racing. Such a cool experience he's had, you know, with with starting with Graham and being around Animal Kingdom, and then and then uh, uh, the successes of Uni and and uh, seeing it from that side of the game, and then also even the the the, the short stint as a horse, maybe a long stint as a horse player. Uh, doesn't have the time now, obviously. Uh, if he's got time to handicap, he probably needs to be in a condition book. And then, and then the success he's having with with Javier, and I don't want to say a resurgence of his career because Javier never really went away, but he wasn't at the level that he was prior, and the level that he's at now. And and I think that that has a lot to do with uh, with John Payne got. So uh, I want to thank him for taking the time. I want to thank all of you guys for listening. I want to thank Drew Cotney, our CFO, and our our man, if you got any questions, holler at him. I want to thank uh, PTF, I guess, for the most part. He's back. Uh, what, what, what did he do? He probably did something this week that, that was uh, that was annoying. I can't remember what it was. Um, no, maybe. I'm sure he did. You guys know I'm sure he did. Um, Naomi talked racing to me. Uh, I think she's got a – I don't know what she has this week. Maybe uh, someone from NBC Sports and maybe someone else that I can't remember. Um what else we got spencer got andy serling on i'm very interested to listen to that uh see if andy was nice to him or if he was uh if he if he treats him like he treats me and uh matt bernier my man matty ice uh i didn't get to see him on nbc this week because i was on fox but i'm sure he was awesome as usual and we have some fun news coming soon from across the pond how about that i'll save that they'll just a little teaser for you there um what else? What else? What else? I've got 29 shirts for the meet. So if you're uh, searching the internet and you see a cool shirt, DM me. Send me that. Send me the shirt. I need. I need like 10 more shirts so I don't have to wear the same shirt twice uh, this summer. So I need some help there. I feel like I've scoured the internets uh, as much as I can. So, um, what what else is going on? Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. I keep on saying uh, we need to love each other at the end of these things, and boy oh boy, that comes out uh, every week. It feels like there's another reason to say it. So. Uh, holler at your friend, give him a hug, and uh, holler at someone who's not your friend. Give him a virtual hug as well. See you guys next week. I need to know everything. Who in the what and the where? I need everything. Trust me, I hear what you're saying, but I like it's new what you're telling me. I'm curious, George. I hop in the Porsche, five and a horse. I'm ready for war. I'm coming for throws to turn to a ghost. I need to know everything.
Now you be surprised at the info you get is by letting them talk, so I'm letting them talk. Gotta keep quiet, maneuver in science to let them and talk up their body. Another one body, that's just how it go. I got some secrets, I'm shaking the game so they stay on their toes.